When you walk in faith, thinking right and doing right, it isn't too long before you find yourself feeling right. I've been emphasizing this idea since we began this series two weeks ago. Walking in faith means consistently thinking the right kind of thoughts and consistently taking the right kind of actions. That's what a life of faith is. This opens the door to God doing great things in your life. Looking to build your faith, a a bigger faith? Well, if you'll join us today here on Graceful Truth, we'll help you out with that. We have five ways to build your faith coming up next on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Join us. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, greetings and welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth, our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Today, Steve returns us to our series entitled, More Power to You. We have five ways to build your faith. I'll list them for you, and then you can join us today as we explore each of them in depth. Read your Bible, listen to sermons, listen to music, talk with friends, and memorize the Word. The significance of each of these five points It's the subject of our time today here on Graceful Truth. Join us. Here's Pastor Steve Connors. Today we're continuing in our series, More Power to You. And this is the third in a series. And it's a series on faith, tapping into its full potential. We've looked at how faith is the key to unlocking God's power in your life. Faith is the key to opening the door of God's blessing in your life. And as we see again and again in the Bible, especially in the Gospels, as we've looked through those, uh, God responds to your faith. As Jesus said, according to your what? According to your faith, it will be done for you. And as we've already seen in the first couple messages in this series, faith is not a feeling. In fact, it has nothing to do with your feelings or your emotions It has to do with your thoughts and your actions. Faith isn't something you feel. It's something you decide. It's something you do. You decide, you choose to have faith-filled thoughts and to adopt the attitude of expectancy that God is going to do great things in your life. And you express your faith with corresponding actions. You do things that are consistent with what you are asking God to do. So if you're here and you can't seem to stir up those emotions that feel like great faith, I don't want you to worry about it. Because regardless of how you feel, you can choose to do two things. You can choose to think with an attitude of expectancy, and you can choose to follow through with corresponding actions. Well, that said, today we're going to talk about how you can build your faith, how you can grow your faith. How you can go from a 99-pound faith weakling into a strong, strapped, muscle-adorned person of faith. And we'll talk about things that you can do that will make it easier to think the kind of thoughts that are consistent with great faith. And we're going to talk about things that you can do that will make it easier to perform the kind of actions that are consistent with great faith. And these things will also, as a result, help you feel better 
about all that's going on in your life. And I just want to talk about your, your feelings, your emotions for a minute. And I've said over and over countless times that we don't live by feelings. That we live by what? Faith. It's not all that important how you feel. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but that's the truth. It's more important how you faith. In other words, how much you trust God to fulfill his promises in your life. Now, if you're anything like me, your feelings may be up one day and down the next. I mean, mine vary from day to day. A number of factors contribute. The weather, my diet, maybe how well the 49ers or the Giants are doing. See, sometimes you feel optimistic. You feel optimistic about everything that's going on in your life. And sometimes, well, to be honest, you don't feel very optimistic about anything that's going on in your life. But I'm here to tell you it's not really that important how you feel. What's important is whether or not you continue to think faith-filled thoughts. What's important is whether or not you take faith-filled actions that are consistent with what you are asking God to do in your life. Hear this. Good feelings will not lead you to great faith. Good feelings will not lead you to great faith. If anything, they'll mislead you. They'll lie to you. However, great faith will lead you ultimately to good feelings about your life. You know, when I'm consistently walking in faith, filled with the Spirit, I feel better. There's a spring in my step. Problems that I encounter don't slow me down as much. Criticism that I hear doesn't affect me as much. Challenges that I face don't intimidate me as much when I'm walking in faith. Consistently thinking the things that God wants me to think. Consistently doing the things that God wants me to do. You know what? I just feel better all around. Now, we don't live by our feelings. But you know what? It sure is nice when those feelings are feeling pretty good. So if your life has become an emotional roller coaster, full of ups and downs, living from day to day, you never know what's going to happen, or even worse, maybe all the ups have disappeared And maybe you're only experiencing the downs these days. And I pray that this message will encourage you. The key factor to feeling better is found not in focusing on your feelings, but focusing on your faith. Maybe someone who's hearing this message is thinking, well, you know what, I don't feel feel good about myself or feel good about my situation. I just have a cocktail and I feel a little better. Or I just eat another slice of pizza. Or I just try to make more money. And I know that that'll make me feel better. The truth is none of those things are going to help you. They won't make you feel better. At least not for more than a day or two. In fact, if you've tried any of those things, usually they end up in in making matters worse, ultimately leading to more misery in your life. However, when you walk in faith, thinking right and doing right, it isn't too long before you find yourself feeling right. I've been emphasizing this idea since... We began this series two weeks ago. Walking in faith means consistently thinking the right kind of thoughts and consistently taking the right kind of actions. That's what a life of faith is. This opens the door to God doing great things in your life. The key word in that statement is the word consistently, which brings us to today's message. Many people say, you know what? I know I need to think right, and I know I need to do right. It's just difficult to get in the habit of doing that. It's difficult to know exactly what I should be thinking or what I should be doing. 
And they ask the questions. What are the right thoughts to think? What are the right things to do? And that's a good question. Because when I talk about having an attitude of expectancy, I'm not talking about just having mere positive thinking going on. I'm not talking about just sitting down and, 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 and just thinking positive thoughts. I'm talking about thinking the thoughts that God wants you to think as prescribed in his words. Seeing the world through his eyes. Perceiving your situation in the light of his truth. See, some people try to have a positive mental attitude that's based on nothing stronger than their own, what I call their wishy-washy worldview. They adopt an attitude that says, you know what, if I have strong enough faith, I won't have any problems. Well, beloved, nothing could be further from the truth. They tell themselves, if I just have enough faith, well, I'm never going to get sick. Or if I just have enough faith, everything will be easy. If I just have enough faith, oh, I'll always have plenty of money. If I just have enough faith, everything will always go my way. It doesn't take long to find out that that message on faith is not how faith works. I've also experienced people who zero in on one verse. One verse speaks of faith in the Scripture. And they take it out of context. And then they try to use it to define faith in a way that's, to be honest, completely inconsistent with what the rest of the Bible teaches about that subject. For example, in Matthew 21, 22, we've looked at this verse before. Jesus said this in Matthew 21, 22, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. I've heard people use this verse in some really crazy ways. In ways that Jesus never meant for this promise to be used. I heard an illustration of one couple who tried to use this verse to get out of buying gasoline. None of us likes to go to the pump and fill up the car when gas is $3.99 or $4.99 a gallon. But here's what happened with this couple. They'd been to a faith seminar where they heard a thrilling testimony from an airline pilot who in the midst of a terrible storm, he lost radio contact with the tower and he completely ran out of fuel. And he claimed Matthew 21, 22. And he says that God miraculously enabled the plane to stay in the air until he was able as the pilot to land the plane safely. Well, the couple left that conference that weekend thinking if God can do that for that pilot, he can definitely do it for us. So when they started home from the seminar, they decided, you know what, we're not going to fill the tank up. We're going to believe God that the the gasoline that we have in our tank will get us home. They had plenty of money to buy gas. As they were driving, they saw plenty of gas stations along the way. But they just kept saying, you know what, we're believing God to make our car run without gasoline. And they were out, beloved, in the middle of nowhere when that needle dropped below E and the engine began to sputter and they finally coasted to a stop. They tried repeatedly, claiming that verse to start the car, all without success. Eventually the battery drained and to be honest, so did their spirits. They were crushed because Matthew twenty-one twenty-two didn't work for them as it did for the airline pilot. Well, clearly this is not how this promise was intended to be applied. And it's just not well-meaning, but even confused believers who get this wrong. I've also heard critics of Christianity use some of the faith promises as proof that prayer doesn't work. If, If you believe in Jesus, whatever you ask for, you will receive 
That's what Jesus said. So why can't you heal all the people who are sick? Why can't you ask him for a million dollars? Why can't you even make your car run without gasoline? I just want to address this for a minute. For sincere believers who sometimes misapply a promise, and for the cynics who even distort those promises and use them as ammunition against Christianity, this is very simple. Every promise in the Bible, as well as every commandment for that matter, must be read not only in the context of the passage in which it's written, but also in the context of the entire teaching of Scripture. And they must read with a certain amount of maturity. That's why I believe when we're teaching, we teach through the Word of God. We teach in an expositional manner, expository teaching, verse by verse. Let me give you an example. My wife and I occasionally go out to eat. And once in a while, I'll tell her, you know what? Wherever you want to go, we'll go. You just name the time and the place, let's go. Now, if my wife wanted to be irrational about that promise, she could turn to me and say, well, that's a pretty bold and unconditional promise. Therefore, Steve, I want to go to the office depot in Des Moines, Idaho, and I want to go in an hour. If I turn to her, which I would, and say, sorry, (laughs) that's not going to happen, make another choice, she could come back and she could say, now, wait a minute. You said that you'll take me anywhere I want, whenever I want to eat. I'm trusting in your promise. Or if she was a cynic, she could turn to me and say, ah, I knew it. The promise that you told me is not true, therefore you're a liar. See, the problem in this hypothetical situation wasn't in my promise. It was in the way that she distorted the promise to make a foolish request. What was wrong with her request? Well, several things. The last time I checked, first of all, Office Depot doesn't serve food. At least they don't serve food that I'd like to eat for dinner. (laughs) Secondly, Des Moines is in Iowa, not in Idaho. Thirdly, we live in California. Therefore, there's no way we could get to Idaho in an hour. Now, because she's a gracious wife and she is a rational wife, she knows when I say, hey, we'll eat wherever you want. She's able to contextualize that promise. She understood in that particular case that it applied to places near our home that actually serve food. So rather than taking a simple offer for a meal and stretching it beyond reality, she chooses somewhere near our home to eat that serves food. See, the promises of Scripture are so powerful and so life-changing, it doesn't make any sense at all to try to make them say things that they really don't say or to try to use them in ways that they weren't meant to be used. It's not necessary. Taken in context and applied with spiritual maturity, the promises of Scripture can provide you with the life of your dreams. Now, the question is, how do you know how to apply the promises? Jesus said, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Well, using this as an attempt to get out of buying gasoline is foolish. But how do you know where to draw the line? How do you know where the difference between a foolish request and genuine faith, where does that line lie? How do you develop the right kind of faith? Well, turn to Romans ten seventeen. The Apostle Paul writes, Romans ten seventeen: faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the what? Word of Christ. Through the Word of Christ. If you want to develop your faith, We have to listen to the message of Christ through his word. The more you hear the word, the stronger your faith becomes. People who are strong in faith ask God for great things. And you know what? He delivers. People who are strong in faith know when a request is right and when it isn't. They won't ask God to make a car go without gasoline. But they will ask him to move in their lives in other ways in more appropriate ways. As your faith grows, so does your wisdom, so does your discernment. See, the flip side of asking God to make a car run without gasoline 
is simply not asking God for anything at all. And to be honest, I know a lot of Christians who are that way. When they're in need, they never ask God to meet it because they don't have the faith that he will. They also need their faith to be developed as well. They need their faith to grow. Well, how does this happen? Back to Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. The more you hear the word of Christ, the stronger your faith becomes. When I say, hear the word of Christ, what do I mean by that? Well, I'll tell you very quickly, just in closing. Five areas where you can hear the word of Christ. And if you saturate yourself in his word and do your best to cover these five areas consistently, you know what? Your faith is going to grow, and you're going to have more wisdom, and you're going to have more discernment. You're going to learn what God wants you to think, and you're going to learn what God wants you to do. You'll develop into a mature, faith-filled believer, and you will experience God's power in your life. Well, here are the five things quickly. First of all, five areas you can hear the Word of God. It's very simple. This isn't rocket science. Number one, reading the Bible. You hear the Word of Christ when you read the Bible. You know, and I encourage you, if you're not already doing it, add Scripture reading to your daily routine, just like shaving. Just like fixing your hair, just like brushing your teeth, just like taking a shower. You do that every day. Make scripture reading part of that routine. Now, some of you are discouraged. Some of you believe that you have to read scripture for 30 minutes a day or an hour a day. And of course, it goes without saying, the more the better. But if you don't have 30 minutes or an hour, spend whatever time you can afford reading the scripture. Read a psalm or read a parable or read two or three verses from one of the epistles and ask God to speak to your heart through what you read. And you know what? He's going to honor every minute you spend in his word, whether it's two minutes or whether it's 30 minutes. When you read the Bible, you will hear the word of Christ. Secondly, hearing sermons. You know, when I preach a message on a Sunday morning, I do my best through the week to study and to understand the text so that hopefully when I'm here preaching the word, I can encourage you in your faith. I can help you to think the right things that the Bible talks about. I can help you, point you in the right direction to do the right things that Scripture encourages us to do. But you know what? I'm going to be the first to say that one sermon a week is not enough. You can't come in here one one day a week, hear a a 50-minute sermon and think, okay, I'm covered for the week. See, one of the great advantages of technology that we have available to us today is that you can hear sermons from incredible preachers around the world with very little effort or cost. I remember the day when you have to used to buy the, the tapes, cassette tapes from people, or you would rent the cassette tapes and you'd have to ship them back when you were done with them. Now all I do is go to my computer, download a podcast, and listen to it for free from preachers around the world. I mean, hardly a day goes by, beloved, that I don't listen to someone preaching the word of God whether it's on the radio or whether it's on a podcast. And when I hear these messages from a variety of different pastors, I hear the word of Christ within the context of their sermons. God speaks to me about my sins, maybe I need to confess, about promises I need to claim, maybe, maybe about actions that I need to take. I challenge you to find two or three pastors that you enjoy listening to, pastors that teach the Bible and download their podcast, or if you have to, buy their CDs, whatever it might be, to encourage your faith. Reading the Bible, listening to sermons. Thirdly, listening to music. You know, one of the problems with a lot of the the current wave of praise and worship music, it's been changing a little bit, but if there's anything missing from it, it's, it's the use of Scripture. I remember when I first came to Christ, I was familiar with the old 
older Maranatha music from Calvary Chapel. And the one thing that they always had in their music was the use of Scripture. It was simply psalms and, and verses put to music. And that's very uplifting. It's very empowering when you can sing a song and you're literally singing the words of Christ or the words of God. I encourage you to find some good praise and worship music that you can relate to and listen to it every day. So reading the Bible, listening to sermons, listening to music. This is a different one. Number four, talking with people, talking with your friends. We all have different friends that we talk to from time to time. Some people, when we talk to them, we know that all we're going to get from them is something negative. They're going to be complaining or something negative is going to be coming out of them. Other friends basically are going to say whatever you want to hear. But we all have hopefully some friends that when you speak to them, you talk about spiritual things. They talk to you about what God is doing in their life, in their family, in their church, and you talk to them about the same. They encourage you to stay faithful. They encourage you and challenge you to do better in your spiritual walk. I have that relationship with our elders, and hopefully they have it with me. When we talk together about spiritual things, there's never a time that I walk away from those conversations not moved in some way, and I'm moved to examine closer my walk with Christ. It encourages me. It builds me up in my faith. God speaks through your friends. If you don't have any friends like that, you need to get some. Fifthly, speaking your own words. And you might say, well, what does that mean? Not just reading the Bible, not just hearing sermons, not just listening to music or talking to friends, but speaking the word of God with your own words. Practice speaking the word of Christ. You know what? Instead of saying, oh, this situation is the worst I've ever been in and just go on and on and work yourself into a frenzy. Practice saying, you know what? This is a tough situation, but I believe God is going to do something great in my life as a result of it. Instead of talking to everybody about the negative issues and, and bad news in your life, talk about the good news. Talk about the possibilities. Talk about the grace of God that you see in your life. Speak words of encouragement, of hope and faith. Take the word of God and hide it in your heart. So when you're going through that trial, that tribulation, you don't have a problem reminding yourself of the truth that you know to be true. And you can recite the scripture because you've hidden it in your heart. You'll be surprised how much your own words can help you when they're the right words, when they're the words of Christ, the words of God. They'll help you grow in your Christian faith. See, these are five areas where you can hear the word of Christ. Reading the scriptures, reading the Bible, listening to sermons, listening to music, talking to friends, memorizing and speaking the words of God. It's crucial that you hear the word of Christ because that's where faith comes from. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. See, the more you saturate yourself with God's word, the more you get in the habit of thinking right. The more you get in the habit of thinking right, the more you get in the habit of doing right. And as a result of that, the more wisdom and, and discernment you develop in your life. And what happens? Your faith grows. You begin to mature in your faith. The more emboldened you are to believe God for great things, the more you see God at work in your own life, the more he changes you from the inside out. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that we would apply these words to our hearts. Lord, that we would not take for granted that you have given us your, our own personal copy of your precious word. That we would take time to read it, to become familiar with it, to hide it in our hearts. That we would see our faith develop into a strong, encouraging faith. That thinks the right things and does the right things. For your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.